my freckles, Marvin moaned. Marvin had eight freckles, eight more than anyone in his entire class, and he counted them every single day, hoping at least one would go away. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hi everyone, I'm Yana Karichi, and this is Breaks to Bites, where we talk about the sometimes messy realities of taking on modern technologies and daring to go digital. My guest today is Joey Savalaggio, a professional musician, educator, and storyteller. After almost two decades as a professional oboist in the Memphis Symphony, Joey recently returned to his hometown of Sudbury, Ontario, to focus on music education and storytelling. Before March 2020, of course, Joey was teaching in person, engaging with his students in dynamic musical storytelling in the classroom. But then that stopped, and Joey set to work to create an online experience to rival the in-person one. It wasn't easy. Much of the technology was new and somewhat complicated. And for a professional musician, recording, editing, and publishing your own performances can be a little disconcerting, a little scary even, and also so worth it. Before we get started on our conversation, I just want to let you know that I'm working really hard on season two right now, and it promises not just more stories about going digital, but also I'll be talking to some experts to get their advice and strategies for what you can do to take advantage of modern technologies. But that's for later. For now, here's Joey. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee. I was playing principal in the orchestra there. I was there for 19 years. And my parents came up and they brought boxes of some of my childhood things, in one of which I found a notebook where I had written down a bunch of stories. I was in grade two and I found a story that I'd written called When Giant Babies Attack. I decided to put that story in music and it ended up resulting in this unbelievably lush score. I started off writing for groups of no larger than three instruments and I would work with diverse instrumentations. I played the oboe, so obviously the oboe was a major part, but I've worked with woodwinds and strings and uh, some brass. The score that literally emerged almost on its own when I started to sort of tweak the story had Ride of the Valkyries, a really challenging one minute chunk of that piece. It's very hard to play that for three people. <laughs> I, I was coming up with these really challenging scores that I thought were really fun to play that were meaningful repertoire to me, challenging repertoire. And I feel like the best way to really engage an audience is if your performer is as engaged as possible. And so many musicians are not entirely engaged by their outreach or education programming. And I feel like that needs to change. in schools, I was given no directive in terms of what content, how was I supporting their learning outside of music, which became very important to me. And so I started to design these shows around a curriculum. For example, I wrote a, a science-based show about the planets, where I used a lot of music from Holst and some Mozart and some Beethoven. I wrote into it a mnemonic to remember the order of the planets from the sun, primarily because I couldn't remember the order of the planets from the sun. I set that to music, and so it became, within the show, a little song. Most very educated Martians joyfully sleep until noon is the mnemonic. I piloted at a daycare center in a, a less affluent neighborhood in Memphis, 
and it was a fantastic experience. And then from there, it just grew and grew. That was about six years ago. Recently, Joey moved back to Sudbury, Ontario, and started working with the Rainbow District School Board. I was able to go into a school and work with two third grade classes on site. I helped them over an eight-week period to write their own story that I then scored to music, and they narrated as, as I performed with two professional musicians. The most remarkable part of that experience was how organic some of the conversations emerged from what we were doing. I brought in some fairy tales that I would have volunteer readers perform, and I would accompany on the oboe, just one line of music. And afterwards, we sort of broke them down to discuss story form. When we discussed character in Goldilocks and the Three Bears, I was sort of pushing the kids towards considering her as an anti-hero. And then when I came back and they delivered their, their findings to the class, they also used the word uh, needy. And then I felt like a goof because these third graders were capable of considering this character with more empathy than what I was encouraging them. This opened up a whole conversation about empathy. It was just incredible. It was mind blowing to have these kids come up with this. That is the one piece that moving, having moved my offerings online now is very difficult to, well, almost impossible to capture. So that piece of it for me is something that I'm looking somehow to recapture. Since COVID, I have done another um, seven-week residency for the school board here that was semi-interactive. We had a Google Classroom where kids could respond and uh, interact with me to um, come up with story content. All of the lessons were pre-recorded and sent in. I had not a lot of experience using technology to deliver this kind of stuff before. What I found was that there were some good things about it. I managed to sort of stumble onto many teaching points that I would never have landed on. A lot of concepts of language that I had no intention of discussing just somehow bubbled up. And then I was able to take that and run. The content that I delivered was really much more comprehensive because of this new format. But I was really freaked out at first. I don't own an Apple product. So things like iMovie and Acapella, which are apps that musicians are commonly using now, were things that I didn't, I didn't know how to use. So I borrowed my dad's iPad. So clearly my father is more technologically advanced than I am. I uh, started playing around with iMovie because I had received an offer to write or to perform a piece for the Memphis Children's Theater Festival, which had moved online. I said yes, because I always say yes now, but I had no idea how I was gonna do it. My narrator, my partner is in Memphis. He recorded the story that I, that I gave him called Marvin and the Marvelous Map. We were using the free version of acapella. So we recorded everything in 30 second chunks. He sent them to me and I played three or four track versions of some pieces and I underscored what, what he delivered to me. Marvin had eight freckles, eight more than anyone in his entire class. And he counted them every single day, hoping at least one would go away. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One of the things that I enjoy doing is to write a rhythmic or a musical representation of text because then I'm able to 
open up a whole other conversation with students about rhythm in speech and syllables versus notation in music. And, and we, can, we can play around with that idea a lot. And I, it's one way I think that I can engage kids just with the whole process of reading. What I found was that the narration that I was given was so dynamic that I would just take pieces that I hadn't, a piece of text that I hadn't thought to accompany with music and I would just improvise. Uh, and then I would improvise a harmony and I would just put together additional, uh, this additional setting, this other layer of a setting to this, to this particular story that I would not have tried in live performance because accomplishing a really clean accompaniment of, a, of spoken word with music is really tricky and it takes a lot of rehearsal time. This has taken that piece of my work to a completely different level now so that I feel like I'm accomplishing something that's much more cinematic and that actually is, is allows me to really dig into a couple of key concepts that I've always wanted to really make good on in, in a completely different way. Just then, a voice called from the next room. Marvin! Oh, Marvin! It was his mom. Come in here and help! Your suitcases aren't going to unpack themselves. He pulled himself away from the bathroom mirror and scampered into the living room. The feedback that I'm getting is that, that the programming is certainly not less effective than the live product. Um, I'm finding creatively that I'm able to flex different muscles. I feel like I'm now addressing a far larger curriculum than I was able to in my live performances. There's nothing that can take away from just being in, an, in front of an, a live audience and getting a reaction on the spot. Waiting for kids to submit content in response to what I'm doing is a little nerve wracking at times. I can't engage in the way that I want to in the moment, obviously, but I feel like I'm coming fairly close with what limitations I have. We talked a little bit about your classroom experience before. What's it look like now? Well, right now, there, it looks like a lot of different things, and I'm surprised. The online work I've done for the school board was very similar to the work that I did on site. I taught many of the same things, although as I referenced before, recording things allowed me to revisit things that I maybe would have just skipped past in the moment if I were teaching live. It's live music and storytelling. People have told me for years, try to introduce a visual aspect somehow, try to do something. I didn't really have the tools. During this online residency, I had the opportunity to introduce some of the text on screen. I was able to introduce some very simple animation that I put together myself. I think that the actual teaching modules were a little punchier because, you know, with iMovie, which again, I hadn't used before, you know, you can do a picture within a picture. You can just listen to audio track. You can introduce images. I felt like I was able to use visual aids that I would never have thought to use in a classroom situation. It was very interesting to be talking about different beat divisions. And then all of a sudden you're talking about math and about fractions. To be able to have a visual to represent dividing one beat into, into three parts. Like these are things that they're small, but I'll tell you that in the, in the education community here, I've gotten a really strong response about in this format, I'm spreading to include a lot more than I was on site.
I just started three weeks ago a class for Ohio University in Athens, and I'm doing a story building with music class for a graduate trio. I think that it's nothing like what they had in what they had in mind. We met briefly to establish what the parameters of the project would be. The next week, I spoke to about 200 or 250 members of faculty and the student body to walk them through the, the process and to, to uh, again, show them a model of what I'm doing. We do it all uh, via Zoom. I've had to learn some of the ins and outs of how that works. They will be playing for me live. I wrote the beginning of a story that they helped to create. So they're going to be performing the first portion of it for me live. They are tasked now with coming up with an episode and to outfit it with some music. These are students that I'm meeting for the very first time. Without the benefit of being in the room, I do sometimes feel like it's harder to make the kind of contact that I know I could make with someone if I were sitting down right next to them. That's something that I'm still learning how to, how to adapt to. But I feel like it's, it's a very, it's going to be a very fruitful, fruitful project. I think it's going to be really interesting for them. They'll have a story that they can perform for young audiences, whether it be recorded or whether it be at some point when they can perform live is, is yet to be determined. By the end of this process, they'll probably send me all of their, their videos. I will edit everything together. We will together come up with a really interesting and robust curriculum that will accompany this that can go into a school. just only started to learn about several pieces of technology that I know I'm going to have to really dig into moving forward because like even Zoom is brand new to me. It's not, I hadn't, I'd never been on a Zoom meeting before March. The pieces of technology that I'm using, granted they're not really super fancy, I feel like they're pretty user-friendly. Acapella is an app I referenced where you can record multiple track videos. You can use it to collaborate. If you, if you own a subscription, you can record something and send it to a person in a remote location. They can record on top of that and add tracks. What I was doing was sort of an all oboes all the time version of my stuff right now. When I first found it, I would record something and think, oh, this is hilarious and it's so fun. Then when you record something that you know is going out to a larger audience, then you feel like you're in college again, making a recording for a summer program audition where every single note you hate. I think I recorded the theme for Twinkle Twinkle Little Star about 25 times before I was able to get it in tune enough that I thought it, it could go out for people to hear. I see a lot of musicians who are doing it and it sounds fantastic. And I know how agonizing that can be. So I think it's so impressive that people are getting out so much stuff right now. And iMovie, like I said, iMovie is brilliant. Anyone who doesn't use iMovie should use it. I mean, you could, even if you're just putting together a vacation montage of pictures and music, it's one of the best apps to use that I've ever seen. That's so awesome. If you could talk to the you of, you know, March the 1st, what would you say to yourself? I would tell myself to not be afraid to adapt. I would tell myself, to say yes to things that you're unsure of. The benefit that will come back to me in, in learning will be so tremendous. I, I would encourage myself to remain vigilant that this is important work that should be done. We need to just 
find whatever ways we can to feel creative and to, and to keep helping kids. I, wanna, I really believe that this is an important piece of a child's education. It's been a couple months since I spoke with Joey, so I recently checked in with him to find out how the Ohio experience went. We met via Zoom. I coached the kids playing at least one time, just talk about how to play what we were going to be putting in the, in the piece with the same kind of vibe that you would have reflected in the narration. And these kids were great. They incorporated all this film footage that they'd found, like documentary film footage of undersea stuff, aquatic life. And they went crazy on their, on their production value. And I just, I was so impressed by, by how these kids, I mean, they're grad students, but what does that make you? What are you like 23? While I feel like I have a pretty firm grasp on what I'm doing now, what the tools are that I'm using, the amount of work that went into making this video was incredible. This is the most exciting part of all of my conversations in season one. The takeaway that despite the effort, there are amazing surprises that come with going digital. We humans adapt, and so often we exceed our expectations. If you want to find out more about Joey and his work, please visit babupress.com. That's B-A-B-U-P-R-E-S-S dot com. You'll find links to his stories. And if you're a musician looking for material for outreach programs, you can find his concert storybooks there. They incorporate the music of the great composers of orchestral and piano repertoire and provide a dramatic setting for storytelling and sometimes a little math or astronomy. If you enjoyed this podcast and for episode notes, please visit us at orangegate.ca. You can catch up on all of season one if we're new to you. And of course, please come and join us again for season two. I'm Yannicka Ritchie. Thanks for listening and go digital. The 